This is episode 130, Bilingual SLP, featuring Bettina Workman. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of SLP's Wine and Cheese. I am your host for today's podcast episode, episode 130, Maria Katsonis. Woohoo! I will just cheers for myself here. So I am sitting here in my lovely apartment on this summer day, July 30th, and I am drinking a Sauvignon Blanc. Thank you so much, Trinchero Family Estates. They are supporting the podcast. They sent me this wine, and I have to tell you, it's really delicious. I really do enjoy my Sauvignon Blanc. This is the last glass or cup, however you want to measure it, the last glass left in this bottle. So this bottle ceases to exist anymore. I have drank it all, not in one sitting, across a few a few episodes. So, you know, you can cross back and double check. My story checks out. I have had this wine on previous episodes, okay? You know, you don't want to have all the wine in one sitting. Then you get a headache, you might vomit, you don't feel good the next day, you regret things. No, nobody wants that. I'm talking about one glass, maybe two, and I have paired it with, let me get it, this delicious grass-fed from cow cheese. Uh, It's the Irish cheese. It's a cheddar cheese and it pairs so delicious with this wine i'm gonna have a nice taste and sip right now live for you guys on the podcast so here i go Mm, that's my bite i have to be honest i feel some like tension at the back my back of my mouth i wonder what that's about but you know you swirl the wine i have the nice cheesiness here i'm gonna take my sip Mm-hmm. Mm. Perfect. Mm. So the wine makes the cheese like smoother. It has like a nice little, take a bite of the cheese and this cheese, the wine, excuse me, take a bite of the cheese. Then you drink the wine and it like smooths it out. It's such a great combo. I definitely vote drink this wine, eat this cheese, the Dubliner. It's a Irish cheese. You will find it in any supermarket. I got this particular block of cheese here. I did not hold back on this Costco trip. But the real thing I'm excited about right now that I'm having as a snack, I walked up the block to get snacks for this podcast episode. So this has been well planned. I have this Ben and Jerry's chocolate chip cookie dough chunks, and they're just like snackable dough it says so it's just like little chocolate chip cookie dough bites and you just sit there and you pop them in your mouth like popcorn or like you know the way you should maybe be eating like broccoli is the way I was eating this so definitely eat this eat this cheese drink the wine everything is grand you know it's COVID it's coming back and not that it ever left not that it ever left so numbers are on the case with on the rise with the Delta variant. And I'm not going to lie, I'm getting nervous. And I just have to remind myself, we never in life know what's going to happen. So this is just making that reality more apparent and more in our face. But it's always been that way. We never know what's to come. And the only thing we can control at the end of the day is our own thoughts, feelings, and actions. So that's been my ongoing mantra. 
Anywho, this episode is not really that much about me and my uh, thoughts. It's about Bettina Workman. She is a fan of the show. I have met her virtually. She attended our virtual happy hour that we had last year for the podcast. So she's such a supporter of the podcast. She messages Deb and myself on Instagram. We're in constant communication. She's such a great SLP. She loves to connect with other SLPs out there. So you will find her Instagram in the show notes. So check that out. Message Bettina. She would love to hear from you. Let her know that, hey, you know, I like wine and cheese too. Or, hey, I loved your interview. So Bettina talks with Deb all about being a bilingual SLP. Bettina has the bilingual extension. I am also a bilingual SLP. I speak Greek and I do not have the bilingual extension. I can't say I wish I did. You know, I don't think it really would have impacted my life that that much, to be honest. I don't have any students on my caseload that speak Greek. Uh, So I guess Greek is one of those languages where... You know, it's a little bit more rare than, let's say, like Spanish or Arabic or Chinese. It really also depends on where you live. But in New York, not so, so many people. None of my clients speak Greek. So, But that's not to say it wouldn't be useful if I did have it. And if you are someone who's considering getting your bilingual extension, I say if you're passionate about that and you feel like that's something you want to pursue, 1 million percent go for it. Don't, you know, listen just because I don't have it doesn't mean no one else can, obviously. So um, some programs in New York that have it, NYU, Hofstra, and LIU. So, you know, look into that. You can, of course, Google away bilingual extension, speech language pathology programs. And Bettina gets into it and why she finds it very very valuable to her practice and she gets more in detail about that on the interview with Deb. So that is our main topic for today and I just want to chime in and say I am working summer school. If anyone else is working summer school, reach out to me. Maybe I could recommend more snacks to help you with your work time. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Healthy eating is what I'm going to recommend, but probably not being the best role model at this point because I got these chocolate chip cookie dough chunks that are just addictive at this point. So anyway, I will let Bettina and Deb get to the bulk of the interview where they talk way more in depth about being a bilingual SLP. Ciao. Hi, and welcome to another episode of SLP's Wine and Cheese. I'm Deb, and today I am joined by Bettina. You might know her better as the bilingual speech pathologist, bilingual SLP on Instagram. How are you doing? Good. I'm bilingual B SLP. Bilingual I think there's B. some others with those names, but I'm I'm great. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> Good. I'm glad that you corrected me. And we'll also have that in the show notes too. So um, you guys have got to follow her. You're just so, you're so amazing with oh. the speech therapy. Um, I'm always floored. I'm, I'm wondering, did you grow up bilingual? Cause you're just very, you sound great and you're pretty fluent. You know, I grew up learning languages. I grew up in Canada. I did not grow up learning Spanish. Oh. But I was exposed to, I mean, I went to a Ukrainian bilingual school when I was growing up. And then I 
in third grade, grade three, we always learn French in Canada. So I learned that through high school and I didn't start learning Spanish till I was in my late teens, early twenties. But Wow. Well, I mean, that must've been much easier though, then because you had all of the other language backgrounds. Yeah. I, I think know. there's some research that says that a language savvy mind can learn other languages well I did I did take ASL I do use ASL still and so that that's another language but Spanish and ASL is what I currently claim very nice I can read the cereal boxes in French when I go to Canada (laughs) nice good that's very important I'm glad that you can do that cereal is vital especially on vacation when you might be well I mean you're from Canada so you'll know it yeah yeah um so what's the so are you um you're certified bilingual in Spanish yeah so I got my minor in Spanish in college okay um and I got my master's degree in bilingual communication disorders at New Mexico State University oh okay wow okay and I continue to learn Spanish every time I go to work you did this from the, from the initiation of your education, yeah. really. Mm-hmm. In yeah. Nice. Um, yeah. In New York, there's something, I don't know if it's just New York, but it's called the bilingual extension. And most people, some, there are a couple programs. I think there's only one that I know of where it's like integrated into the um, graduate program, but otherwise you have to like get that as an additional certification. Yeah, I've heard of that. I graduated with my master's back in 2002. Mm-hmm. So that's a, you know, it's been a minute. Um, my uh, advisor was Hart Kaiser, and she was kind of a pioneer in some of this Spanish-English development of speech and language pathology. Um, I've never been asked for a certificate that says, do you speak Spanish or how well do you speak it? I've never had a problem. Oh, <laughs> Well, that's good that you have integrity. (laughs) (laughs) But I believe that if I went to a different state and that was required, I would just find out what was required and do that. Right. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, your whole, your graduate degree is in it and you have the proof in your videos. Um, (laughs) I wish I had a more active social media presence. I just kind of benefit off of all of you guys. (laughs) Um. I think it's actually like, so it's, I think it's much harder currently to gain more followers just because like, um, the like niche field has now become saturated. Yeah. Like I could yeah, never, I'm not worried about that. I'm not worried yeah. about that at all. I love just learning from everyone and sharing when I can. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm just amazed by it. I like to just listen and watch. It's so nice. That's so nice to hear. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes you're using my material. So I know what you're saying. I love your material. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. But yeah, like I know what you're most likely saying or what you're saying. Um, but wow, just very fluent. It's great. Um, so why is it important for a bilingual SLP to work with a bilingual client? Yeah, so um, I've been thinking about that. Um, uh, 
What I do a lot of right now are evaluations. Mm-hmm. So I have an SLT who is from Argentina and she does a lot of my on-site therapy and I supervise her and I do a ton of evaluations. Um, I can say that a student's language abilities are the sum of what they can do in both languages. Mm-hmm. And so if you only know one or the other, you're missing pieces of what they can do. Um, and I think as the kids start to, the school that I work at right now is a Spanish English bilingual school, and it actually starts off in about 90% Spanish. And the goal is to teach English as they move through sixth grade. And so it goes from 90% Spanish, 10% English, and it goes up to um, probably a 50-50 model by grade six. Oh. Um, And so it's great to have my SLT there who also speaks both. And as the kids start to show a language preference um, or as they start to choose, she can go back and forth and she can code switch during sessions. It's better for understanding and to really understand where they're at. I think it really helps to, you know, the problem between identifying a language disorder versus a language difference. Mm-hmm. It's a really big one. And we tend to over-identify our second language learners as with special ed needs when they really have, are in the process of acquiring a second language and um, just the natural crossovers that happen in that process. Right. So to get an accurate diagnosis and to provide the best therapy, it's important for someone to be able to understand both languages and then code switch between both languages. Yeah. And I would say that we're privileged because Spanish is such a high, highly spoken language. Um, I don't know when you don't have a therapist that speaks the language of that child, for example, a a neighboring district up in Salt Lake, I mean, they have over 50 languages represented in their ESL um, department because they, Salt Lake is an intake area for um, refugees. Okay, yeah. And so those speech language pathologists, I would really love to be a fly on the wall. I think you really need to be very careful and do a lot of homework about the home language and do a lot of family intervention and use interpreters in order to understand where they're at and to help them. So I'm, we're privileged that we speak Spanish. Right. We can, we can just get in there exactly where the kid is at with really not a lot of question marks. That's so interesting. I feel like I'm, I'm in Brooklyn and Brooklyn is a very diverse place and I don't feel like I mean, I definitely have um, individuals who come from Spanish-speaking households, but they are, yes, they're in ESL, but they come to school rather fluent in English as well. Um, I haven't really in my career so far come across too many children that um, predominantly speak another language that's not English. But so you have a, just a big population where you are or yes, it does everyone go to, to that school? I tend to seek out what I want. Mm-hmm. I tend to seek out what I want. Like I sought out this particular school because I knew that's where they were, where this population was that I could, that I wanted to work with. And when I worked for a school district, last year was my last year working for a district, but I found a district that had 
um, a migrant Head Start program. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's some agricultural areas where we live and there's some federally funded migrant programs for migrant workers. And so Mm -hmm. I requested that job and I became the district's um, Spanish English bilingual testing specialist. And so I kind of carved out the population I wanted and did a fair bit of commuting in order to find it. Oh, okay. Nice. So good for you. So the difference in disorder. So this is why it's important to have someone who understands that language at least in evaluations. So sometimes kids like I said, are more, are over-referred for special education services when they are learning a second language. And I tested a little girl a few years ago who was probably between nine and 11. And she had been in the United States for about two years and she had come from El Salvador. So Spanish was her first language and she was a sequential bilingual. So she learned all, she learned intact Spanish first in an educational environment and then came to the United States and was learning English at the mid grade school range. And after two years, she had been not learning the way they wanted her in English and they thought she probably had special education needs. And so I got in there and evaluated her. And I mean, I did the self in Spanish and she blew the language sample out of the water in Mm -hmm. Spanish. And she got like a 90th percentile on the self, which is almost impossible. (laughs) I don't know if I could get that. And I was like, this kid has no language disorder, even after two years of not being um, surrounded by her first language, she could still do that well on this um, academic language test. And so that's an example of that. And then in the past year, I've had two examples of kids who come into my school into kindergarten and both parents said, Well, no, we went to the doctor and they just said, well, they're trying to learn English. And so this is why your child isn't speaking. And one kid had pretty severe apraxia that wasn't caught until kindergarten, Mm -hmm. which it's usually caught in a more of an early intervention setting with um, doctor's visits, pediatricians. And the other student, the little kindergarten child had a pretty severe phonological processing disorder where those had carried through but it was dismissed by the medical field as being, well, they're just not developing their language because they're learning English. And so, right. so these little kids actually needed the services and had not got the early intervention they needed. And then the flip side is my little friend from El Salvador. So those are just some case studies of yeah that are really quite common in the things I do. Right. That's, and so I'm glad, I mean, you sought out this job because this is what you wanted to do. You wanted to ensure that the people who required services got them and the ones who didn't, didn't. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what other opportunities has being um, a bilingual SLP brought to you? I really appreciate all the different people I meet and all the different stories I hear and the different life stories a lot of experiences and a lot of living life in the United States that I would really have no clue about. Mm -hmm. And so I have just really appreciated learning the experience of folks who come here for jobs, type of work that takes and the type of dedication and sacrifice. And then just getting to, yeah, I've really appreciated that. I love from different people from different countries because it's all mm-hmm. a little bit different so I right. feel like I'm con- I constantly have a, a 
I have a page in the back of my notebook of how to say this if you're from this country or I just am learning. I'm always learning more. So nice. I love that. Do you write it phonetically? Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes I do. I'm not that cool of an SLP where I'm like, let me write it phonetically so it's correct. I'm like, I'm always sounding things out phonetically. I can't just like look at it and know that's what it says. I I guess that, that should be a goal of mine to improve with. But um, so then what does um, bilingual speech therapy look like? Are you, so it's bilingual. So I'm guessing like you code switch, like you mentioned, um, what do you typically do? I would say I always follow the child's lead mm-hmm. in what language they're choosing. And sometimes that switches day to day. And sometimes it switches according to who they're with because kids are so smart. They pick up um, who speaks what language really quick. And so when they're working with my SLT, they'll want to speak Spanish. Mm-hmm. And then when they see me come in, not even knowing, like this gringa lady comes in and then they want to speak <laughs> English. Right. So I really just follow their lead. I'm pretty firm in my discussions with administrators and stuff that I'm not an English teacher. Mm-hmm. And I think kids have been referred to me before because we want them to learn English better. And I'm like, well, we have a great ESL department and right. they're, they're really good at teaching English. Yeah. But if your child, if this child has a language disorder, then we can test them and it will be a long, it will be, it will be a very long process. The testing process takes two to three times longer than it would if I were doing a monolingual one and we'll determine to the best of my ability if there's actually a disorder but I'm not going to be an I'm not an English teacher so right exactly well I'm glad that you yeah you stand by that I I feel like I love when we put little um nuggets of confidence and like adamant being adamant about things in this podcast because I just feel like when you come from a field of empathy you know like empathetic workers that it's very difficult to not try to help in every way possible but um yeah you gotta there's got to be lines and boundaries and and focus on what is actually needing to be done so I really appreciate that yeah um my next question for you is How long have you been practicing your handstands? Because I follow you on more than one of your Instagrams. So like she doesn't put handstands on her bilingual B. Well, maybe you do. I don't, probably not. Maybe. (laughs) I started being serious about practicing yoga about six years ago. Mm -hmm. And I have wanted to do an independent handstand since then. Mm -hmm. And it's a work in progress still. I think you're better. You're definitely better than me. (laughs) <laughs> well, you also are pregnant, so let's not compare right now. <laughs> well, I haven't yet. So I, as, as soon as when I found out I was pregnant, I stopped doing it or maybe mm-hmm. like I did a little bit in the beginning because I felt like it didn't even matter at that point. Um, and I have read that you can still do it as long as you have fine blood pressure, which I do. Um, but I also know that like your center of gravity is off. So I like stopped riding yeah. my bike too. I'm just like not even playing like that. Um, I'm sure I will be able to do it just fine after I recover from this. Uh, but yeah, I, you can hold it independently 
it seems I'm, I'm, I am not consistent in holding my, I can hold it independently, but I can't achieve it independently. I'm always on a wall first. And I, it's almost, I think it's cause I still get scared. I can do a headstand really well yeah, for a me long too. time. Yeah. The handstand and that's fine. I'm just learning. <laughs> I'm just in the process. Yeah, it is. It is a great party trick and it, it makes me feel good. Um, just like physically and mentally, I guess, like, um, I have read that your, you know, your brain's like completely dependent on your heart and lungs for oxygenation. So when you put mm-hmm. yourself in an inversion, you're oxygenating your brain while giving your heart a break. Um, which is just like a nice little metaphor. It sounds like, uh, <laughs> Yeah, it gives me just, I mean, it just gives me a little bit of a change in perspective and a change in focus. And especially if I've had a difficult session, um, I'm doing two days a week doing the Spanish stuff right now. And my other job is a really difficult new one that we can talk about another time. But mm-hmm. sometimes I have hard sessions and I do a handstand for a few minutes and it just really helps to reset things so I can be fresh for the next student. Yeah, that's, I found when I was um, working back-to-back sessions in the school, I found myself like doing handstands between sessions Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, and it just like made me feel better and more grounded. And it just like gave me something else to focus on when I was like, I was in general education. So it wasn't like the sessions themselves were so hard. Mm-hmm. It was more so about like the pacing and the keeping up and then the behaviors, like nothing crazy, but just like, you no, know, it's a four steady, kids at it's a, a time. steady, moderate stress with peaks yeah. of high stress and you need a break. Yeah. And it, it certainly was a nice release and it helped me. So, um, the next segment that we talk about on SLPs Wine and Cheese and is tips and tricks. And, and that's going to be my, I'm going to steal that. I don't know if you're going to use it, but I'm going to say my tip or trick is to find something that's like physically and mentally relaxing for you throughout the day to help you just kind of like restart and um, help you keep up with all of the things that you are ultimately responsible for doing. That's so important. I did think of one. So um, a few years ago, some one of the Brene Brown books inspired me to figure out what my core values are. And they are connection and progression, I realized. And what I've realized in speech therapy is I need to always establish connection. And that happens that influence increased progression for whatever student in whatever, um, whatever place I'm in, anywhere I've worked, if I work to establish connection, then the progression happens quicker. I love that. You're the second person to bring up these core values. Who yeah, is I can't that remember by? if it's her, like, it might be the one about the wilderness, Brene Brown, or it might be Brene the one about... Brown? The, the book about leading, I should have found where the, anyway, core values, minor connection and progression. And mm. any, any time I've, anyway, I want to find out my first. core values. You should Is there a, a whole, test? I'll send you a link. Yeah. So yeah. I'll send you a link. Well, there's, there's a whole list of them. And in, in the book, she tells you go through and check the ones that mean the most. And you only choose two or three, even though all of them might seem important. Right. To you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jesse Ginsburg is the other person who brought up her, the core values. Um, 
uh, and I've been meaning to look into that more. There's so many things that I learn from the people that I meet on the internet, like Enneagrams too. I didn't know about those things until. <laughs> I love the internet community for this profession. Like your podcast and all these other ones, honestly, are one of the things that made me think I could break away from the public schools and be okay because I still felt like there was a community. I relied so heavily on my SLPs yeah. community in the school for ideas. And I thought mm -hmm. I could never do this on my own, but I realized you guys are here. There's a million great things to find right. on the internet within the So, Yes. But I it wasn't always there because I mean, I started my Instagram because I felt so isolated. Yeah. I felt like I was just all on my own. Only my CF did I work with other SLPs and, and, you know, it was just so busy in and out that I didn't even see them hardly. So, um, yeah, I think that it's super helpful for the yeah. field and community is important. Uh, connection. Exactly. <laughs> Before we wrap up, um, I like to ask the guests if they have some sort of quote or mantra that inspires them that they can leave the uh, listeners with. Yeah, I do. I was thinking and thinking, but I came back to this thing I've been telling my kids for years and years and years. I think it might be our family motto. And it's just, it is, we are all just learning. We are all just learning. Very nice. Yeah. We are all, see, I keep writing. I, I write everyone's quote on my calendar. <laughs> that's awesome. We're all just, we are all just learning. And that's come, you know, as my kids have gotten to be teenagers and there's just so many ups and downs in life and in therapy. And I say it to my kids in therapy all the time. We're all just learning. Good job. Yeah. Like today's a new day. I'm going to say so. that to Mike when he calls me, he's trying to hang a shelf that somebody messed up. So it's like even harder to hang it up because I guess the we're whole all just team. learning Mike you're just, learning, just learning how to do this yeah you've never rehung a shelf that's been hung like crap before this is your first time you're just learning that's right I'm gonna that's what I'm gonna say to him well thank you so much I really appreciate you doing this yeah and I love Mike too he's hilarious thank you yeah he's really good stuff um I got lucky and that's our show, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Have a lovely and safe summer and like us and review us on iTunes and check us out on Patreon. Ciao.